The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives. Securing futures. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been a dip sitting in the guest co-host chair. Today's guest on Talk of Champions is Billy Embody. Kadeem side just recently wrapped his visit to Ole Miss. Now he plans to go to LSU. So let's get the LSU side of things in regards to Kadeem Sides recruitment. So Billy Embody coming up in just a little bit. But first, it's Bennett. Bennett, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. I'm tired. That draft took like four and a half hours last night. It was um, I really enjoyed the draft, so it's it's something I wanted to stay up for and just kind of watch. But it drug on forever, and then uh, it, that ended, and I was about to go to bed and saw Ole Miss was in extras or about to go to extras, so I stayed up for that. So it was a it's a long night at the uh, the hip household. Same here. I thought the reason why the draft was broken up into three days was to avoid this, and the second thing. <laughs> Ole Miss baseball didn't start its game until 8 o'clock. And, of course, because of the weather, starting at 8, you just knew, you just knew it was going to go to extras. So going to extras was appropriate. And then, of course, the draft. But now Ole Miss didn't get any players in the first round of the NFL draft, which is somewhat surprising. But I think the 
momentum started to turn that way towards almost not getting anybody in the first late last week, early this week. Yeah, you and I talked, I guess, Thursday, Thursday afternoon um, before the draft started. And we both kind of had the vibe that, you know, DK wasn't going to go in the first round. And it's not because of anything that really changed on him. It's just this draft was really deep in a lot of positions that teams are going to want to spend on ahead of receiver. So it was a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of offensive linemen, a um, couple of safeties, you know, just a lot of uh, a lot of defensive players. And it, it was just um, the board, the way the board broke for DK wasn't ideal. Uh, one receiver went the, or two receivers went in the first round. Marquise Brown to the Ravens and then Nikhil Harry at the end of the first round to the Patriots. So, um, you know, I'm sure obviously he would have enjoyed going to round one, but he, he won't see his name um, last too long on, in round two. So, um, but yeah, we, we kind of saw it trending that way and it definitely worked out. So um, tough break, but again, he won't, uh, he won't have to wait long today. No, I, I just could see it. I could see it in my brain, A.J. Brown, going to the New England Patriots at 32. I just saw it. I knew it was going to happen. It didn't. But again, it was trending that way towards the end of last week and then early this week. I think the one player who had the worst of the Ole Miss players, the top couple round players, uh, the lead up to the draft was Greg Little. He just didn't overly impress. I don't know what it was. He was projected first round pick for the longest and for him to get to the point now where he's going today. Uh, but you just don't know when he's going to come off the board. I hate it for Greg. What's held him back, do you think? I think it's probably run blocking, um, finishing. Yeah, well, you know, he didn't test very well at the combine from an athletic standpoint. And um, you don't need to be super athletic. Like Jonah Williams went to the Bengals or last night, and, and he's not the most athletic guy in the world. But even he was a little bit higher, a little bit better than Greg was. And so I think that – um, scared some teams off. And then, I, you know, the, the tape is what it is. I think Greg's good. Um, but if, if you wanted to see him run block, it was uh, there's not a whole lot of opportunity to do that in what Ole Miss wanted to do offensively last year. So it's um, tough tough evaluation. You know, the, the combine didn't go well. But I don't think he'll last very long today. There's a lot of talk here um, that Carolina really likes him. So he could be, uh, he could be the guy at 47 if, uh, if they stay there. Or they could be, it could move back up. They've got two third round picks. They could move back up in the second and get him or get him in the third. So um, I wouldn't expect him to last too long, but it's just been, um, just seemed like he could never get any momentum going in terms of buzz and um, stock. It just seemed like everything turned the wrong way for him for whatever reason. The podcast brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your modern woodman representative. If you need help financially, contact Thomas today. He'll help you with retirement, savings, getting your financials in order. He's done it for me. He can do it for you. So what does Modern Woodman do? How about financial security for you and your family through life insurance, retirement planning, financial services? How about quality family life through member benefits and local fraternal activities? Community impact through local volunteer projects that make a difference where members live, work, and play. If your finances are bogging you down as they were for me, Contact Thomas today. He's a personal friend. He's the one to talk to. 662-296-0186. 662-296-0186. To learn more, go to www.modernwoodman.org. That's www.modernwoodman.org. Thomas Chandler, your Modern Woodman representative. The podcast also brought to you by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. I hate the car buying process. Cannot stand it. It overwhelms me. It's easy for a salesman to get one over on me. Hey, uh, this is a good deal for you. Okay, cool, thanks. I'm not good at haggling. 
And that's why Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is the only place for me to go. And first of all, anybody that's listened to this podcast for any length of time knows I do not vouch for sponsors I truly don't believe in. But the car buying process with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is second to none, believe me. If you're like me, you're simply just looking to get the best deal. And if that's the case, to avoid the headache, head on over to Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you and get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory is priced to sell, and what separates them is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Tell them Talk of Champions sent you. It's probably not going to help all that much, but it'll be cool for me. And they'll probably want to talk about spring football or basketball recruiting or the Ole Miss baseball season. But more importantly, they'll want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. Contact them today at 662-234-8000. Stop by and see them today at 2201 East University Avenue in Oxford. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. David Hellman of DallasCowboys.com mentioned earlier this week on this podcast that Greg Little could be potentially a candidate to get drafted by the Cowboys at 58. Now, probably not going to last that long. But he still could be a candidate there because the Cowboys need some depth. Lyle Collins is headed toward free agency. Tyron Smith, long been the best left tackle in football, starting to get banged up more often than he's staying healthy. And so they could use a piece like Greg Little to potentially start, if not this year, certainly the year after that. So he's going to go in the second round. I'm just fascinated to watch where DK and AJ go where the best fits end up being. Buffalo there at 40 makes some sense if DK's available. San Francisco makes some sense for A.J. Brown at 36. I thought they'd get one. I don't know. At least you'd get somebody sneaking in. A.J. deserved it. You know, DK, uh, it just you thought one would get in. Yeah, it's it's just tough. Every draft is different. And, and you know, you look at – it wasn't a, a great draft for skill position, guys. You know, you had one running back go in the first round. You had two tight ends go in the first round both from Iowa, you had two receivers go and, and one of them was the last pick of the first round. So it just, um, this draft, for whatever reason, just not a, not a good one for skill position guys. But, um, you know, there, there are a lot of teams in that kind of early second round range that make a lot of sense for both of those guys and, and Greg as well. So, um, I know Dan Kadar over at SB nation does a really good job, job with the draft, his mock draft for round two, has DK at 40 to the Bills, yeah. has Greg has Greg Little at 47 to Carolina. Like I said, there's a lot of lot of buzz there about Greg and the Panthers liking each other. Yeah, and you want that uh, to happen. Yeah, I think it'd be great. I, I think that'd be a really good fit. There was a lot of there was some talk last night that if um, the board had broken differently, Greg could have been a their first round guy. Um, but obviously there was a lot of guys left on the board for Carolina they really liked. And then um, he's at AJ at 51 the Titans. So we go in there with Jeffrey Simmons and I think that'd be a good fit as well. So um, it seems like common, common kind of consensus is that all three of those guys will see their names go pretty early on Friday evening. So good for them. Obviously you want to go round one, but um, hard to complain about going early in round two and um, just get, you know, at that point it's just time to get ready to go to work. Your guy, Dave Gettleman put on a show last night, man, that was, that was something, wasn't it? Um, Oh man. it, It was funny because I was talking to a buddy before the draft and I was like, you know, he's gonna, there were, I knew there was no way that Dave was going to go out of the first round without getting Dexter Lawrence because Dave loves just massive human beings. And it, there's not a bigger human being in the draft than Dexter Lawrence at six, five, three forty. Sure enough, he gets him at 17. Uh, I think it's a good pick, but I, the Daniel Jones stuff just, I don't understand it at all. I don't. I don't understand what teams are looking at 
and apparently there were multiple teams in the first round that liked him. Washington was one. Uh, the Giants were another, obviously. I just I just don't get it. Like I, I have all, all the respect in the world for David Cutcliffe and the job he does coaching, coaching quarterbacks, but I just don't see it at all. Like I don't see a – I don't – I'm not sure I see a second-round quarterback in Daniel Jones. I, I just don't get it. doesn't make any I, sense. I don't get it either. I think teams just fall in love with quarterback profiles in the draft every single year. He's going to bust. He's not going to be a star quarterback. I just can't see it. If he is, I know nothing. I don't pretend to be some expert in regards to draft and scouting and evaluation. You just Nothing says to you that Daniel Jones is going to be anything when you watch him in at in any length of time, watch a couple of games, watch any length of tape, and nothing looks that way. And the problem with going with Dexter Lawrence at 17, I'm a Cowboys fan. I love that the Giants have a crap draft. I love that. But going Dexter Lawrence at 17 means is you traded Odell and you got back a safety, a replacement for Snacks Harrison who you traded for a fifth, and a quarterback that's not going to play. This makes yeah, no it's, sense it's, at all. This is well, not how I- you build teams. And I, and I saw uh, they were asking Gettleman after the draft last night about what he liked about Daniel Jones. And he was like, well, I didn't really see him during the season, but I went to the senior bowl. Yeah, and, there we go. And then about, you know, Every three year. series in, I was sold. And I was like, like, what? But like, that's not how this works. Like, you, you know, the senior bowl is great for evaluation purposes or whatever, but you, you can't watch a guy in one practice at the senior bowl and fall in love. I mean, this is the guy, this is the guy that, you know, End of the season last year, um, Duke lost fifty nine to seven at home. Nine to seven, and one game does not tell a story. Everybody has bad games, but fifty nine to seven to Wake Forest. Yeah, and you completed what half of your passes? Right, and so it's just like none of this makes any sense. And I get he had a good bowl game and all this kind of stuff, but um, you know, it's one thing to take a guy like Daniel Jones in the third round as a development guy. It's another thing to spend a top six pick on him and declare that he's your quarterback of the future. This it's, is, this uh, whole draft is weird to me. I've got to it be was, honest. It's a weird class, man. It, it's, um, you know, it's, a I, lot I of- learned about guys last night. I have watched the draft every year since I was 10. I used to love the draft. It was one of my favorite nights of the year. Now this year, the shine's kind of taken off of it for me because I'm a Cowboys fan and they don't have a first round pick. Right. But, I was learning about players as they were being drafted. I can't tell you, maybe since I was 10, the first time that's happened. It was insane. I I didn't know these names. Well, and it was... It lacked I, I star the, power. It lacked significant star power. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and then we knew things were going to get weird when at four, the Raiders go with Cleveland Farrell from Clemson, who was, who was really good. Like, he's, he's a good, good football player. Yeah. But he's not a guy you take it fourth overall. And so when that happened, I think everyone was like, okay, this is going to be pretty weird. And then you, so you've got him going at four. You've got Ed Oliver falling all the way down to nine to Buffalo, which is insane, which is just unbelievable. Like uh, uh, literally a year ago, we're talking about Ed Oliver being the first overall pick and a Heisman trophy candidate and all this stuff. And he gets injured. He has the weird deal on the sideline at Houston. And suddenly he's, you know, barely a top 10 pick. Um, That's you know, it's, so it's just a weird draft. Just a weird draft. Um, a lot of a lot of defensive linemen, a lot of edge guys, a lot of offensive linemen. You got the Falcons spending a top fifteen pick on a guard from Boston College. It's just um, just a weird weird class. Um, so it was just uh, yeah. You're and it right. wasn't like the so, guard was Quentin Nelson, right? 
It no, was, like, like and, and Lindstrom is good, but again, it's a top fourteen pick. There were you know top fifteen pick, or whatever, and there were plenty of guys on the board. You know, Brian Burns, who ended up in Carolina, really good edge player. That would have made a lot of sense for Atlanta. And said they go, uh, said they go with the guard. And if you haven't seen the video, go to the Falcons Twitter, and there's a video of their the reaction from the fan party last night. That was and so it, great. It could not be more awkward. The best part about hilarious. it is the horns blow. Yes. There's a giant car horn. I guess it's that lounge or lobby or whatever sponsored by some car dealer and the the horns blaring and everyone's like, who the heck is this guy? They're just standing just around like there's the, <laughs> there's the guy in the front of the video that legitimately turns around putting his hands up like, wait, what? What? Uh, there's no reaction at all just the horns blowing everyone just standing there no juice none zero it was an odd night but um so hopefully friday goes pretty well for old miss i I think all three of those guys see their names called i think there's a decent chance that dawson not sees his name called friday night and um so that would be good for old miss four guys um in in the top three rounds that's um that's a good a good thing for old miss I, i think there's a good chance we see that happen I wonder where Demarcus Lodge falls. His deal is weird. Um, he's another one, kind of like Greg. There's not a whole lot of buzz there, and um, the athletic testing and wasn't te- great. But he didn't test terribly. He was. It wasn't bad or anything. It just you know it didn't have a single. It didn't have a one kind of number that kind of blew everybody away. Like, you know, DK had the the forty, and you know AJ had some agility stuff that was really impressive, and um, Demarcus didn't really have that um, kind of one standout tool or whatever. But that dude can play. And I think he's going to be whether he's a you know fourth or fifth round guy or, or if he's even later than that, someone's getting a steal. I mean that that dude can play and can play outside and can make some plays for you um, down the field. So um, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if a smart team took him earlier than we think, and I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of hung around later just because teams are dumb. So wherever he goes, he's I think he's going to be a really good um, be one of the better picks in the later part of the draft. If you went into the future and then you came back and reported to me, Ben, Demarcus Lodge is going to have a longer, more sustained NFL career than one of DK and AJ. It wouldn't surprise me. No, I don't think so either. And I think it would be DK just because we've yet to really see DK stay healthy. And, you know, he's a great dude, good player, a lot of potential there. But, you know, to be fair, he has a, he had a broken foot, you know, as a freshman. He had the neck injury, which was very serious as a you know yeah he had fusion surgery yeah and and, you know they talked to him before the draft and you know talked to his parents and talked to terrence and you know terrence was saying you know there was a chance that he you know could have never played football again and so um it's um it i think we underrate the injury risk and the injury i don't want to call him injury prone because the neck injury is a freak thing and the, the foot thing can happen to anybody but at the same time if you can't stay healthy in college, it's, it's going to be hard to stay healthy in the pros. So um, I, I don't think that would shock me at all um, if he outlasted one of uh, one of those two. I think it's a legitimate concern. I understand why DK fell, why he yeah, wasn't absolutely. a first-round pick. Once you get past the absurdity of his 40 time and his measurables and break him down, the cone drill was bad, the three-short shuttle – I think it is. That wasn't very good either. Like historically bad in those two particular categories. And then you get to the lack of production because he couldn't stay on the field. It was the foot. It was the the neck injury. And a lot of that is no fault of his own. But it's like Sean Lee. Sean Lee for the Cowboys is a linebacker. 
when he's on the field, he's an all-pro, as good as there is at linebacker in the NFL. But he's going to miss games. That comes with the territory. No matter what he does, he gets hurt in some way and he misses games. It's part of what it is. And every team feels like, oh, well, we can keep him healthy or we can keep him healthy or we can keep him healthy. At some point, you have to prove that you can stay healthy, that, that not all, no team is reinventing anything. Everyone's basically doing the same thing. It's a copycat league. So unless you show it individually that you can stay on the field, it, there, there should be trepidation. I think in the old days of the NFL, a team would have easily, especially if Al Davis was still alive, would have taken right. a chance on DK Metcalf and gone with him early in the first round. But now teams are more aware that your injury history should play a role. And I hate that for DK, the physical freak nature of his game and his style of play. I'm all about it. But you have to stay on the field. He hasn't been able to. Oh, it's that. And and teams are looking for different things now. You know, 10 years ago, five years ago, straight line speed from a big body receiver that was that was in vogue yeah and, and hollywood brown at five nine would not be the first wide receiver off the no, board. but you you look now and teams want versatility they want guys that can run uh multiple routes and do it from the inside and the outside and you look at, i mean you look at the league right now the the best receivers are smaller guys whether it's odell beckham or it's antonio brown guys like that it, it's um the the trend receiver has turned it toward the small guys who can get separation, um, who can do a multitude of things for you. Um, and there's not to say there's not room for a guy like DK because you look at, you know, in Atlanta, Julio Jones is still doing what he does and uh, guys like that. But it's not um, he's not the typical, you know, the prototype anymore. The prototype has changed. And, and Julio so, plays. Yeah, Julio Julio's a monster, man. And um, he's on the field every single day. Yeah, and, and that's a guy that has issues staying healthy, but he doesn't miss games. He doesn't practice at all, right. but he plays games. And so um, it, it's just the prototype has changed away from DK. And so if, I think you kind of said this earlier, but if for me as well, it was a little bit more surprising to see AJ not go in the first round, the DK, if that makes any sense. Like yeah. I think AJ is very much closer to the prototype. And you know, I, I think he's a better receiver than the... Than I think he has a higher Jordan. floor. I think he has well, a higher yeah, floor than pretty much I, anybody. If you take it away from, from DK, I think I think AJ is better than the Kiel Harry, the dude from Arizona State that went to the Patriots. So um, I was a little surprised that that wasn't the pick there as well. I thought it was a really good fit, but um, there are a lot of teams early in day two that are going to value AJ, whether it's, you know, I think Green Bay makes a lot of sense as well. They didn't add a pass. They didn't add a receiver yesterday. So... Um, going to play for Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be a bad thing at all. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time, but his history drafting wide receivers isn't very good. Not great. Not great. Yeah. Everybody has a weakness. Yeah. If you're looking for bust potential, I like <laughs> Henry Fine, but history yeah, tells you that got, the Patriots probably picked a wide receiver that sh- they should have gone somewhere else. Well, this is how it works. You know, Nikhil Harry has some clear question marks. Now, he has some clear strengths. He can work from the slot. He can work outside. Um, he, he ran well. He's got good size. Um, but he has issues getting separation. You know, he's got inconsistent hands. Um, those are real issues, but they'll get glossed over because he went to the Patriots and they'll, and everyone's going to be like, Oh, well, the Patriots just doing what they do. He'll be really great. Maybe he will be. Um, but he's got some pretty clear drawbacks and that was not a consensus first round guy there. So, um, you know, I, I think, um, is, as good of a fit as it would have been for AJ to go there. I, I think he'll be okay. Um, going elsewhere if Bill Belichick's track record of receivers is anything to to base that on. I would just like for one Ole Miss Rebel to end up on the Cowboys. It's been so long. 
so that I might be able to uh, <laughs> get credentialed for a game and go and watch a Cowboys game for free, preferably a playoff game. That'd be great. The Super yeah. Bowl would be perfect, of course, but that's not going to ever happen apparently in my lifetime. But yeah, I would like to see that happen. I don't know if it does. Ole Miss baseball last night, however, got a big win late into the night. Or as Thursday turned to Friday, you're probably asleep, Ole Miss fan, but Ole Miss baseball won. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Ben at Hip at Ben at Hip. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Ole Miss rallies twice to beat Texas A&M. Texas A&M is the number six team in the country. Ole Miss is number 17. This one felt significant. Now, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Every time... Anyone tries to cast aspersions that Ole Miss is getting some momentum, building some momentum, turning a corner. It seems like something goes wrong. So I I don't want to forecast anything forward, but for Ole Miss to come back, losing their last two SEC series, I think they've lost three out of their last four games. They were down three to one going into the bottom of the eighth inning. A left-handed pitcher, two lefties out of three pitchers did they face last night and yet they were able to rally back and win, fall behind in extras. Uh, Parker Caracci was great. Defense let him down after he walked the leadoff batter in the 11th inning, and Ole Miss won anyway. I thought it it was a big win. It felt like it mattered that they learned something about themselves. Now, if they lose their next two, it doesn't matter. (laughs) But it just felt a little different, and I think all – the players and coaches acknowledged that. Mike Bianco said that. Thomas Stillard said that. Even as they trailed three to nothing, they felt like they were going to win. The game's getting late, but the the mood in the in the dugout felt different. I don't know if you can quantify that. If that's something you could put much stock in, did it feel that way to you that they gained some momentum last night? Was last night big? Um, like you said, it's kind of tough to predict momentum and whether it's a um. You know, a quantitative thing that is going to move forward and really help them. But I think what it really did was avoid what would have been just a crushing loss, you know, especially if they had made the same comeback and say Dillard grabs in the double play and game ends and you lose four to three, you had the bases loaded um, and you can't get it done. That would have been a crushing loss and one that I'm not sure they would have recovered from. You know, this team already presses too much. They're a little fragile. They just seem, you know, sometimes are just kind of out of sorts. And so I think um, worst case, it was just avoiding what would have been an awful loss. And uh, But I do think there's a chance that this does build some momentum to say, hey, you know, we faced a pretty good lefty. We faced a pretty, pretty good lefty reliever, and we made it work. And I, I think Ole Miss can look in the mirror and say, we didn't play well last night and had two errors, you know, played sloppy baseball. Um, and still found a way, and, and that's kind of the formula right now. It's just to find a way to add some wins and just count up as many as you can. So I definitely think there's a chance, but kind of like you said, this team is inconsistent enough to where you can't really bank on it being some sort of driving thing that's going to get them on a run. But um, I think end of the day, they, they avoided a, a bad loss, and that on its own has a lot of value. They needed it. They had to have it. And- yeah. Look, man, it's getting so late. I, 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 I'm hesitant to say anything about momentum or anything like that. They've got a really tough run towards the end of the year. You need to get to 17-18. You can't do that losing games at home. I don't care if it's the number six team in the country. So for Ole Miss to come back and battle back and win, it's, it's good. I, I'm just hesitant to 
put anything. Yeah, well, well, you look at the the schedule coming up too, and it's just hard to predict, predict them to go on a run. I mean, you're you're facing a a really good A and M team Friday night, Saturday. You know, then you go on the road to LSU, and and that's a winnable series. But you know, Ole Miss has a awful history down there in Baton Rouge, so it's hard to predict them to do really well there. And they come back home and. You face Mississippi State, and you know they're going to be up for that, and they're a good team. And then you yeah, go Ole Miss is what two and eleven since sweeping yeah, Ole Miss. Exactly. I mean, sweeping Mississippi State a handful of years back. Now they're two and eleven in their last twelve, uh, thirteen, yeah, whatever and, it is. And then you finish the season on the road against a Tennessee team that a month ago looked pretty beatable, and now you know they're they're pitching it pretty well, and they're certainly not a pushover. So you know, I, I think the worry for Ole Miss is they could play better baseball and kind of get you know get in a groove. And still, kind of struggle and, and just kind of be yeah. Still lose games. Like, that's, yeah. that's baseball. Yeah, exactly. So it's a tough schedule for them that they miss some opportunities early in the season to kind of rack up some conference wins. And now it's just about you know, like last night, finding ways to win, just adding games to your total, and just get that win total as high as you can. I wouldn't even worry about hosting necessarily. I, I think it's just more about. Um, taking it game by game like they did last night and just try and just tack up as many wins as you can and see where it gets you, you know, just um, eliminate any doubt about going, you know, 500 or or below 500 in the league and just um, see where it takes you. But the schedule is so tough that it's hard to really predict them to, to get hot and and go on a big run down the stretch playing as good a team as they're going to play. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's been at Hip Kadeem Sai. Visited Ole Miss officially this week. Headed to potentially Arkansas and LSU. LSU expected to be the last visit before he makes his college decision. Kadeem Sai, the hope was he would cancel his visits, make his decision, make it Ole Miss. It feels like, seems like all the information I'm getting that he's still going to make his visits in LSU is the primary competition your take on Kadeem's side not shutting down his recruitment after visiting Ole Miss. Concerning, not concerning. Blake Kinson went on a visit to Ole Miss early in the recruiting process, then went to other schools and still ended up at Ole Miss. Is there anything, too, in the spring period getting the last visit if you're a school? Uh, maybe. Um, I, I think the bigger worry, I think when Will Wade got reinstated, things that was not a good event for Ole Miss and this recruitment. Um, you know, Will Wade is a very good recruiter. He, you know, he, for all the, for all the missteps and you know, the way he goes about it, he is a very good recruiter and his staff are very good recruiters. One of them did a great job at Ole Miss recruiting for a long time. And, um, we know what he can do on the trail. And so Will Wade getting reinstated was not good for Ole Miss. And I think once that happened, any, any real thought of him not visiting LSU kind of went by the wayside for me at least. Uh, then we'll see with Arkansas. You know, um, Eric Musselman is really good with JUCOs and transfers. That's where he makes his money. That's how he builds his teams. You know, that team at Nevada last year, their top eight guys were all transfers. That just doesn't happen in a lot of places. So um, those are those are two visits that obviously Ole Miss will like to avoid. Both of those teams are very good recruiting the kind of player like Kadeem Sai. But, you know, end of the day um, – I think Ole Miss feels like they put their best foot forward and, and had a really good visit with him. And at this point, you're kind of counting on your relationships and, and the fact that you've been there the entire time and you've got your connections there with the coaching staff, with Bryce Williams, with uh, Devontae Shuler. 
and hoping that that pays off in the end. So not ideal, but I don't think it's some sort of death knell or anything like that either that he's going to take those visits. They have one spot left. If Kadeem's side doesn't end up at Ole Miss, not all is lost. They still have guys left on the board that could help. They need to land a forward. That's what Kermit Davis told me straight up when I went and visited with Kermit and with Matt Luke and Ross Bjork at the Rebel Road Trip stop in Tupelo. Alihan Demir, he's a Drexel graduate transfer, 6'9", 232, 14.8 points, 6.4 rebounds. He's expected to visit in May. And then another player that they're monitoring is Javon Franklin. He's the Holmes Community College forward. Banged up. His problem right now is his medicals. How healthy is he? He visited West Virginia most recently. He could help as well. Obviously, the guy they want to fill that spot is Kadeem Sai. But if they don't, I think there's this expectation, this hope that's been built amongst Ole Miss fans that it's Sai or nothing. It's not Sai or nothing. All is not lost if they don't land Kadeem Sai. I'm not trying to temper your expectations because I expect him to go somewhere else. I don't. I don't know where he's going. I think if he was picking today, he'd end up at Ole Miss. I'm working to get in touch with him, by the way, to get his visit thoughts on Ole Miss. Right. But they do have other guys left on the board that could help them, that could make them just as competent and just as good going into the next year to repeat as an NCAA tournament team as Cy. Now, is Cy a game changer potentially? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I don't think just because they miss on him, they're all of a sudden three, four, five, six wins short of being in no no i mean you know um franklin is is good you know very athletic big guy can jump out of the gym when he's healthy um just we'll see what the medicals look like there when he gets cleared um demir is a very good player from drexel the the grad transfer um he visited minnesota that went well he's going to kansas state this weekend um i know marquette uh fred hoiberg's involved in nebraska um, so he's a very good player. You know, that's a, that's a quality backup option. That is not a, that's not a step down. That's not a plan B or C guy. That is a, that's a really, really good player. So they've got some options and, and now it's just about making the calendar work. You know, you don't want to string it out too long with, right. with Kadeem yeah. side because, you know, Demir's not going to wait around forever. Um, you know, Javon Franklin has some time cause he's got to get healthy or whatever. So yeah, that, Franklin's I, the one that you can actually put on the back burner a little bit. Right. That, that one from a time standpoint is not pressing, but a guy like Demir, some of the other guys that are potentially on the board, um, you know, you, you don't want to wait two or three more weeks and not have any sort of clue where you're at. So it's, um, it, it's, uh, going to be a, a frustrating couple of weeks, I think for them, just trying to, to wait out those visits and see how they go. But, um, Ole Miss has been in this recruitment a long time and they've done a really good job and they've done about all they can. So, um, if they don't get him, obviously we disappointing, but it won't be for a lack of trying or a lack of effort. But, um, I, I think people that are worrying and saying, Oh, he's gone or he's not going to come. I think that's very premature. Um, yeah. I think Ole Miss is going to be in this until the end and they've got some connections that are just, um, some other schools don't have. So, it's uh, it's Juco recruiting, man. That's this is the way it goes. It's it's never easy. It's, it's never uh, drama free, and um, it's just going to be a kind of a battle until the end. Bryce Williams was his teammate at Daytona State College. Devontae Schuler was his teammate at Oak Hill. They have connections. Yep. They've been in this the entire time. It's not over just because he didn't commit immediately after his visit, or if he goes on other visits, and to freak out about it. 
it, it's premature. You're right. It's premature. Well, it's just you know it's this okay. is a guy. This is a guy that that went to Virginia Tech and then left Virginia Tech and then came back and then left again and went to JUCO. Um, you know, this is his last, you know, he's not going to transfer somewhere else after this, you know, he's got to get this right. And so, um, you know, he went up to Pitt with Jeff Capel and, and then he went to East Carolina, uh, his, his main recruiter from Virginia tech is there as an assistant now. And so he has some connections there. Um, you know, Arkansas, obviously Musselman's a great guy. If you're going to be a transfer or a Juco and you know, that's a good guy to go play for. So he's got to get this right. And, um, so I, I can't really fault him for taking visits because, you know, with the amount of transfer he he's done, you know, going to Juco, all that kind of stuff. He's got one kind of last chance here to, to make the right choice. And so, um, it, this is just kind of how it works out. You've got to be a little bit patient and, and see how it goes and just trust that, what Ole Miss has done and what they have in their favor will will come out on top. I'm not softening expectations. I'm not telling you how to feel. I'm simply saying Ole Miss's chances are the same today as they were yesterday, the week before, the week before. Every every kid loves the visits they go on. To want some running updates about his official visit, I, I can break it down to you without even talking to him yet. He loved the <laughs> visit, had a great time, enjoyed his time with the players and the coaches. He's going to go see LSU, then he's going to make a decision. That's how it goes. Whether Ole Miss gets him or not, sometimes you just lose out. So if they lose out on Kadeem Sai, it won't be because they failed. It's because he wanted to go somewhere else. They've done everything possible to land Kadeem Sai and handle this recruitment as well as they possibly can. I still think that it'll be one of LSU or Ole Miss. That's what I think will happen. I think so, too. If he was picking a day, it'd be Ole Miss, but – Things change, and if they do lose out, sometimes you just lose out. And it's worth noting that, you know, until something changes at LSU, LSU is pretty hard to beat on the recruiting trail right now, and especially with Will Wade back for yeah. however long that lasts. And, and maybe it's yeah. not long, or maybe it's uh, maybe they find a way to make it work and he's good to go long term. But um, LSU is not exactly uh, someone that can you just you can just roll over and, and beat on the trail. You know, they are they're bringing in big time guys and they're recruiting at a really really high level. So this is not you know it's not beating out East Carolina or, or Pitt. This is a um, you know they're going to have to go and win a big time recruiting battle. And they can do it, but it's um, it, it's going to be a fight. LSU knows what they're doing and, and they're doing a really good job of landing talent and whatever shape you know manner or shape they're they're doing it in they're they're getting players and so uh it's not going to be an easy win for sure billy embody he covers lsu for 247 sports go 247.com he has the lsu side of things for kadeem side and he joins us now on the cheney's pharmacy phone line for all your pharmaceutical needs cheney's pharmacy is the place to go cheney's offers prescription synchronization immunizations compounding a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give them a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Billy, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well, Ben. How about you? I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on. You and I have... A mutual story that we're covering. It's Kadeem Sai from the LSU side of things. Where is Kadeem Sai's recruitment? Where does he rank as far as the pecking order? Who are they recruiting? Uh, what's the what's the gist for Kadeem Sai and LSU? 
So he's somebody that they've targeted uh, early, early on, you know, when he, he got his, I guess, situation figured out with all this transferring going on. And, and they've prioritized him with, with two assistants, Greg Heyer and, and also Bill Armstrong working in there. Um, and then with Will Wade, you know, at least before uh, he was suspended at the end of the season. And so they've been on him quite some time. He was somebody that I, I felt really, really good about in the early going and uh, had a crystal ball pick in for LSU. And, and just as his recruitment really began to take off, and uh, I probably did it a couple weeks later than I wanted to, but I, I just said, you know what, this, this isn't uh, a sure thing by any means. You know, Kadeem is somebody that, uh, as you can just kind of see from his playing career, he's gone back and forth on transferring. He's you know, kind of had some issues here and there with his stops uh, in college. So I said, you know, we're going to back off that, that crystal ball. But for LSU, I mean, he's their top big man target. You know, on their on their radar, true in terms of being a true uh, big man in the front court. I mean, they're they're on trend in Watford, the five star uh, power forward out of the high school ranks, and and he's a huge target, of course. But uh, Kadeem is somebody that uh, they need in in a huge way. They lose they lose Naz Reed and Cavell Bigby Williams, two six ten six eleven guys in the front court, and they really don't have anybody that's a true rim protector, and that's what Kadeem Sai can bring to them. So. That's, uh, he's their number one junior college target. He's their number one big man target, and he's a big deal for them. So Will Wade steps away with all the FBI wiretap stuff. He's back. Did it change anything for a while with Kadeem when he stepped away, and does it help LSU then that Will Wade is back? You know, I, I checked in on this uh, while Will was still suspended, and, and I talked to a couple different people, and, and they said, look, like we've – you know, we've been recruiting him really, really hard, you know, with, without Will, it, it didn't really matter. This was, this was our guy and we've been pressing for him. And, you know, they feel like that they've done a fairly good job recruiting him. And, and uh, it looks like as of now, they get the last official visit from him. But, um, you know, I think, I think with Will now back in the mix, it, it certainly helps. There's one thing that with Will at the helm of, of LSU that, uh, that has really helped uh, them that, you know, with any prospect has been development and that, you know, whether it's landing junior college players like Marlon Taylor or landing, you know, the elite guys like Nas Reed uh, last year, those, those were both guys that could use a, a fair amount of development. And with Will Wade at the helm, that's something that they really sell um, in a big way because of how intense uh, he runs his program. I mean, down to, you know, what temperature these guys sleep at at night. It's uh it's different, but it, it's geared around towards, you know, getting these guys ready to be pros. So I think with Will back in the mix, I mean, it can only help them. Part of the plan for LSU is to bring in Kadeem's dad, uh, fly him in for the visit. You can do that now in terms of NCAA rules. I think you can fly in and pay for hotel and air travel for uh, a family member, maybe two. I'm not exactly sure of the rule, but that's the rule now. Getting the dad in, what kind of advantage is that? Uh, what do you think about the strategy that they've followed in regards to getting Kadeem Sai, just all the factors that are in play as they prepare to bring him in for a visit. Yeah, I think having his dad in for the visit would be huge. I mean, that that's something that they're, you know, uh, going to have at their disposal, which it doesn't, I don't think um, any of the other schools have. And I haven't checked around on it, but uh, it wasn't, you know, in Oxford. Uh, so it's a big advantage, you know, I mean, that to, to show he's that big of a priority that they're going to fly him in you know, from, from Senegal. And, and I think he's, 
he's doing it around a larger trip or whatever to see family, but um, having him, you know, in, in batters to kind of get a feel for the coaches and uh, feel them out. It will, will, I think one, it'll only help Kadeem make a decision for himself, you know, when it's all said and done, but I, I don't think it can hurt LSU at all to have his dad uh, on campus for the official visit. What's the confidence level right now for LSU? You know, that's an interesting question because, the, and, and when I went foggy on my crystal ball pick, it was a, uh, part of the reason why it just, you couldn't get a read on it. You know, that was what, uh, there was so much positivity in the early signing period and everything like that. And it looked like, I mean, they might even land them early, but, um, then that just kind of wavered and they, you know, it just seemed like, uh, this one was going to be a lot tougher to kind of wrangle for them. And, uh, I think there's a, but now I will say this, there's a, there's a, uh, fairly strong level of confidence. I, I don't think I'm not ready to call them a favorite or anything just yet. Um, we'll have to see kind of how that official visit goes. Um, and, and him taking, you know, what appears to be, I think he'll end up taking all five or four or so of, uh, his official visits. I mean, it shows just kind of how open he is, but, um, you know, they, they, they feel like it's an LSU Ole Miss battle and, and, uh, they feel pretty good about their chances the way they've you know recruited him. But the official visit just hasn't of course happened yet. So we'll see how it kind of ball plays out when that does. You kind of answer my next question from a sourcing standpoint, who does LSU feel like is the greatest competition in landing him? You say it's Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I do. And, and I mean, I, I think, I believe, I, I know that the, the Rebels signed one of his junior college teammates. It's a big selling point, of course. Um, and that, I, I think, can't be overstated when you're somebody who's bounced around to have somebody that's, um, you know, you're familiar with. I think that says a, uh, a lot about um, your trust in your former teammates and, and things like that. So I think that's a big advantage for Ole Miss, but but yeah, I do I do think Ole Miss and LSU are the ones really battling it out for the most part. Is the worst of it over for Will Wade? Oh man, <laughs> I have no clue, but I, I think so. Uh, I, barring some and, and the testifying right now is, is going on, but um, I do think it's over. The worst of it, I mean, unless some bombshell drops, uh, then then there it's not going to be. I think it's. I think the worst of it's over. But as as we've kind of seen with this FBI trial, you know, we just we just never know. The reason I ask that is because I would assume at least that that is something that competing schools are using against LSU on the recruiting trail. And you talk to all these prospects, you know how this business works. In your conversations with these players, do you get the sense that the lack of certainty surrounding Will Wait is somewhat at least concerning for these players and? not knowing what the future holds? I'm sure in the back of their mind, it might be a little concerning. I will say this, Trendon Watford had some interesting comments about it uh, when he was uh, interviewed recently by our Memphis site uh, at the George Brand Classic. And he said, uh, look, Auburn just went to the final four with a cloud hanging over their program. <laughs> so I, th- I thought that was a really interesting comment from, from Trendon. I mean, it, I think, um, you know, sometimes the head coaches and, and assistants can get the brunt of all this and whereas the schools can kind of navigate it. But I mean, in the back of their minds, I'm sure it's something, but I, I really think it's a, it's a relationship business. And if you got a great relationship with a coach then you're going to trust him. And, um, you know, it, with LSU having reinstated Will Wade, I think that's probably a big, 
boost for them in terms of his stability more than anything. What's the board look like for LSU? What are the remaining targets? You mentioned the five-star. You mentioned Cy. Who else is out there? How many spots do they have available? And what are the backup plans if they don't land their top targets? You know, there, there's they've been uh, kind of tight, tight-lipped about backup plans. But right now, I mean, the, the, the trio that they're really on is are, are Cy and Kionis. And then, uh, or, sorry, Cy, Watford, and then uh, four-star wing Lester Kionis, who's Who's I think is really down to LSU and, and Memphis. He's he's playing it off like he's a a bit wide open, but and he's got some official visits left uh, to Indiana, one that he's on right now, and then to, to Michigan after that. But and that one's been kind of a LSU Memphis battle for a while. Um, and then from there, if they miss, I I think they're just going to go after grad transfers and JUCO transfers and that. And, and that can kind of just be a mixed bag and, and things can kind of come out of nowhere. Like they signed Corky Scooper and Marlon Taylor somewhat out of nowhere. They were linked like briefly here and there with them, but nothing ever was uh, too, too out there about it. So I think it's something that they, they, uh, they probably have backup plans, but right now, I mean, those are the, the trio they've zeroed in on. Gun to your head. Where does Kadeem Sy end up? <laughs> Oh man, uh, man! I, I I go back to the early level of confidence that that they had, and then to being able to have the last official with his dad on campus. I think will say a lot. Um, I mean, I'm not ready to put a crystal ball pick in, but I, I think there's a decent chance he ends up at LSU. You can't quantify it, and I've always tried to because I cover recruiting too, not to the extent that you do. But getting yeah. the last official visit, how much does it really matter? I think in basketball, a lot of these kids schedule them out in certain ways that, you know, the school that they're going to end up at most likely gets that last visit. Um, or the school that they have on the front of their mind for the most part gets that last visit. And, um, you know, even, even LSU was trying to host him uh, this coming weekend, but uh, they opted. They, they both uh, they both said, you know what, let's move it back one more weekend just to make sure that they could get pretty much the last one before that that really that, that late signing period kind of ends. So, um, you know, they, they tried to get the last official visit. It looks like they will. And I, I think that helps because you have – you also have a lot more time to gather information as a coaching staff, see, you know, what potentially other pitches were made and, and all that, and then put, put together a visit that can kind of blow them away. Yeah, because I've covered a lot of spring basketball recruiting. And, again, you can't quantify it. Blake Kenson, for example, visited Ole Miss early in the process, then went on other visits, and then ended up at Ole Miss. So it's easy to look at it and say, ah, that's an advantage. It's not. You never really know as plainly and simply as I can say it. It's on an individual case-by-case basis. At the end of the day, it comes down to the kid, and not all kids are the same. So it'll be fascinating to watch. He's a four-star forward. It's Kadeem Sy. A lot of schools want him. Billy and Body says it's LSU and Ole Miss right now. I say the same thing. Look, I, I know what's going on with Kadeem size recruitment too. I wanted the other side of it, and Billy and Body was the perfect person to talk to. He covers LSU for two four seven Sports. Go two four seven dot com at Billy and Body on Twitter. Safe travels, man. I know you're on the road to Dallas. Don't do anything crazy while you're driving. Okay, don't do any more radio interviews. <laughs> Got a nice podcast going, man. I appreciate that. Oh, podcast. That means you're probably a Game of Thrones fan then. We do a Game of Thrones segment here on Talk of Champions. The night is dark and full of spoilers. Love Game of Thrones. 
then listen to your friend's Game of Thrones segment on Talk of Champions. I got the night is dark and full of spoilers. And tell me and report back, how have we gotten this far and not talked about Game of Thrones? We've been friends for a while now. What the hell, Billy? <laughs> who do you think uh, Who do you think gets, uh, well, I guess, you know, spoiler alert, who do you think dies in this week's episode? My companion on the night is dark and full of spoilers, Mr. Daniel, believes that Valyrian steel is plot armor. I don't know if I necessarily agree but he's the smartest Game of Thrones person I know. Jorah's got Heartsbane. Brienne's got Oathkeeper. Brienne carrying Oathkeeper, it's a good point to make, but didn't Sunday feel like a nice send-off for Brienne? That this was going to be it for her? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I will say this, Brienne not being there for Sansa, potentially, would be interesting to see how Jamie Lannister would then, who also kind of, you felt like they were sending him off a little bit too with him kind of cleaning up all of his loose ends. But, you know, do, do both of them die? Do both of them kind of die a tragic it's, death? It's one or the other. And here's my theory on it. I think it's going to be Jamie and not Brienne, though I could easily see Brienne bite it because, again, it felt like on Sunday she got a great send-off. But I think it's going to be Jamie because Jamie will sacrifice himself in protection of one or both of Sansa and Brienne, thus becoming... Oathkeeper personified. Ooh, that's pretty strong right there. Yeah. That's pretty strong. I, I think uh, another one that's definitely going to die, I would say, is uh, Gendry. He's gone. Grey Worm's biting it. Theon's biting it. Those are happening. Yeah. Yeah. You can yeah. see it. You can see it cause, because the Grey Worm made his plans, too. You know? Yeah. yeah. It, when that happens, I, yeah, when he and Masande are making plans to go retire to Florida, it's over. It's over. You're making all these grand plans afterwards. No, in TV, that means, brother, you're gone. Oh, man, it's going to be epic. Yeah, yeah. See, now, Billy, you're going to have to come on and just talk about Game of Thrones. Forget all this Kadeem Sai LSU stuff. Game of Thrones is what we need to talk about. He's Billy Embody at Billy Embody on Twitter. Go247.com. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Safe travels, and uh, we'll talk again. Anytime. Enjoy this weekend's episode. That was Billy Embody at Billy Embody on Twitter. He covers LSU for 247 Sports. Go247.com. The number one Ole Miss thing to watch this weekend for Bennett Hip is what? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I really, I want to see the rest of this baseball series. Um, you know, at least get two out of three, and if you can win Friday night and have a chance to sweep on Saturday, that that becomes really big. And you go, you jump from ten and eight in the league to thirteen and eight in the league, and suddenly things are kind of picking up, and you got some momentum back, and you're going to, on the road to LSU team that is good but not unbeatable and you know things can kind of quickly turn in their direction so um i'm sure a lot of people be tuned into the draft on friday night but for me i think it's gonna be baseball i'm gonna be paying most attention to the draft if for no other reason then i want aj and dk and greg to land softly somewhere they deserve it they didn't get to go to a bowl during their college career it's unfortunate that the ncaa robbed them of that opportunity i want to see them go where they want to go. And I know it's not going to be fairy tale Disney crap here, but it'd have been cool for AJ to go to his favorite team, the Patriots. It didn't happen, but for him to land in green Bay would be a good spot. I don't want DK with the bills. That's my big deal. I just don't want that. And I know that you feel like that's a pretty good fit. I just, God, I do. Man. I think the bills are kind of fun and you know, they're, but they're never on national TV and they're rarely on red zone. Not, that, that, big, and that's, big fair. that's fair. If you're from a pure wanting to see DK play, that's a totally valid point. Um, but you know, there, that's, um, 
that's kind of Carolina North. The the GM is from Carolina. The head coach is from Carolina. They got a bunch of Carolina players. So I like those guys. I like the Ed Oliver pick last night. Um, I think Josh Allen is entertaining, if if not good. I think he's fun to watch just from a what the heck is going to happen next kind of deal. But um, and, and I think from his you know, his one strength is throwing the ball way down the field. DK can go do that. So I think that's a pretty good fit. Um, but you're right from a you know TV you know perspective and wanting to see him play. Buffalo is not exactly the uh, the ideal choice there. Who, who had the best pick in the first round? Man, I love the Ed Oliver pick at, uh, at nine. I think that's such a that's a, such a really good pick. Um, he that's a that's a big time disruptor for them. Um, I like the Garrett Bradbury pick from Minnesota. I think he's really really good. Um, you know, had Carolina not signed Matt Paradis in free agency, they were going to pick him. And um, so I think those are the two that probably stand out the most to me. Um, anyone that kind of jumped out to you? Yeah, it was Ed Oliver. I love that. I love yeah. that. I love that. I I also loved Kyler Murray in Arizona. I, I I know it was the easy one. It was the obvious one. But yeah, man. Uh, Kyler I think Murray, Kyler Murray is going to be fun and yeah. and good. And um, you know, I, somebody I compared that. him to Tariq Cohen as a quarterback, which I thought was pretty perfect. That's pretty great. And, you know, I know people are skeptical of, of Cliff Kingsbury and saying, oh, well, he couldn't win at Texas Tech. How are you going to win in the NFL? Well, he doesn't have to recruit defensive players to Lubbock anymore. He can go just sign them and give them money to come to Arizona. So um, I think that's a bit overblown. Uh, I think that his track record with quarterbacks, you know, Mahomes, um, guys like that, Baker Mayfield, that if you can do that in the NFL, if you can develop quarterbacks and make them elite and run that kind of air raid offense – you can win some games. I thought they had a pretty good draft, and they're gonna have, they've got a top pick tonight um, in, in round two. So we'll see what they do there. But um, I, I think uh, I think Arizona is going to be kind of a one of those under the radar teams that are going to be pretty fun to watch and kind of make some noise. Um, they've got some pieces now. The Giants, of course, had the worst pick with Daniel Jones. Their draft makes no sense. They could have had Ed Oliver at six, Montez Sweat at seventeen, and traded a two to go get Josh Rosen. And that would have been far. Yeah, away, I, I thought the draft. Giants draft was very, uh, it's very absurd. odd. I thought the Raiders draft was un- underwhelming for having three first round picks. Um, I like Cleveland Farrell, but again, I feel like you could have traded back in the first to get him later and rack up some more draft picks. Um, Josh Jacobs is fine. He's good. Um, but it's a first round pick on a running back. And, and, and not, this is a really good draft to get a running back in yeah, the second, and, third, and fourth then if round. You're gonna, then if you're going to take a safety, um, I don't know that Jonathan Abram would have been my first choice as a safety. Um, he's more of a box guy. Uh, I really like Darnell Savage that went to the Packers yesterday uh, from Maryland. I like Nasir Adderley, the kid from Delaware. Um, Juan Thornhill from Virginia is another really good safety. So um, Abram would not have been my pick for at a safety at that spot. So I just um, – for having three first-round picks and what's a really kind of deep draft, um, I was pretty disappointed with what Oakland came away with from a – production standpoint Clemson and Dabo Sweeney agreed today on a 10-year 93 million dollar contract but you can't pay the players I mean can't pay the players but um it's you know from a purely whatever standpoint he's won two of the last three national titles he's built them into a powerhouse you know he's he's definitely worth the money and he's done it just on getting kids who love Clemson they just just love Clemson. They they've got Clemson. they've got a slide there in the putt putt course. That's just yeah. they they come for the slide and and that's it. They love uh, Clemson. 
But, you know, he's worth the money. But, again, this is a farce. You know, $93 million, and we can't find a way to pay the players. Can't um, pay the players. Just, uh, just unbelievable. This has been Talk of Champions. I've been Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's been at Hip at Ben at Hip. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. We're also available on SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. The Battle of Winterfell on Sunday. I look forward to discussing it with Maester Daniel and with you all on Twitter. So hit me up at Spirit Ben. I want to know what you think. Haven't talked about Avengers Endgame yet. I saw it on Wednesday. I can't wait to talk about it. Didn't make a lick of sense, but I loved it anyway. So once you've all seen it, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Maybe we'll have to have a breakdown here on Talk of Champions. So if you want to talk about it when you're ready to talk about it, you let me know. I want to give every single one of you a chance to watch it before we start spoiling things. So that's all coming next week on Talk of Champions. Some great guests, some NFL draft reaction, whatever it might be. Some almost baseball. Maybe they get a win, series win over Texas A&M. I don't know. But last night was a good start, battling back twice to beat Texas A&M to hopefully lead to good things in this series. Thanks, man. We'll talk again. Absolutely. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.